This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. It's a snowy, wintry, western PA, Pittsburgh type of, well, I don't know, a good morning. You know, I mean, you got snow everywhere, and it's just a nice feeling, and you feel really good about it. You know what I mean? It's just like you wake up, and you go down, and you see... You know, you got the snow going on. I, it, to me, it's fun. It reminds me of my boyhood growing up in western New York. But, of course, you're in the locker room with uh, Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas because Max Starks is in the house. Max, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good today, Wolf. I, I can't complain. <laughs> yep. You know, obviously it's been a rough couple of days. Yes, brother. But for, for the most part, we're, we're, we're in a better place today. That's good. Again, great sorrow, condolences, and a lot of love go out to you and the Starks family and the Browner family. I know that you had uh, had the opportunity to see your uncle Joey when we were up in Minnesota. Have you have you been in contact with him? And I don't mean to, you know, uh, probe yeah. anything or anything like that. Just wondering if uh, the family's doing well. Yeah, I've I've t- I've spoken with most of the family. So, okay. so we're all we're all getting through it. Yeah, <laughs> That's there the you way go. To say it. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. You know, because it's extremely difficult, and uh, you know, I'm just so sorry for you and your family. Um, just um, it's a tough thing. I know that. Um, you know, as a young man, I believe I was in my third or fourth training camp when my dad passed away, and it's uh, that significance of moving on and. Becoming the for me at that point was becoming essentially the father figure, and it's a difficult thing. You know, what I mean, it's really difficult. You're like, you don't know how hard it is to be a dad until you're a dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> absolutely, a- absolutely, and but, you know, this, throughout this whole process, it, it's been it's been something that I've learned. I'm, I'm learning through. Yes, you know, as far as with my younger brother and uh, my stepmother. So it, it kind of taking the reins on a lot of things. So it's it, it it's it, it's weird, right? But I'm glad I've already been a dad <laughs> and had to be in charge before. Okay, you because, are large yeah, and in charge, my friend. There is no doubt about it. And as I always said, the first thing I thought of when I I thought of your dad, I go, now that's a guy who knew how to close a trap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, and one of the things. Now that I've learned more and I've seen so many great tributes mm. and Notre Dame did something really nice where I actually saw a lot more footage of oh, my yeah. dad. And yeah, he was an he was an animal. He was. <laughs> I mean, because he also played college back when there wasn't sacks. Right. So it just goes in the tackle for loss category. Right. And, and he like still has a school record for like seventy seven of them because none of them are sacks, they're just tackles for tackles loss. For loss. <laughs> I'm like, that's the quarterback he just took down in a pass. Okay, tackle for loss. I remember one time we came back in the huddle and some somebody said, "Where did he go? <laughs> he went. <laughs> he just disappeared." You know, I mean, you just you have these moments, and I have these glimpses of memories of, of Ross Brown, who was just such a great player. And I know that Cincinnati has spoken of him in very loving and uh, familiar, familial type of terms. And uh, again, mucho love and everything going out to you and uh, the whole family, because 
Again, it's it's tough at any any age to lose your dad. I even said that to uh, the ambassador, DMR, when he lost his dad, uh, the chief, way back in the yeah. 80s, you know, 87, I believe it was. And uh, we had a nice little conversation. Uh, so, anyhow, welcome to the locker room. Welcome back, Max. And uh, you got to... You kind of got to hit it running because it's a Friday and the train is moving, as Mike Tomlin would say. <laughs> the first thing up, I got to throw at you. You know, some people, some people are chess guys, right? Some are uh, checkers guys. You know, Mike T is definitely a chess guy, and we're going to find out because with Keith Butler down with COVID and probably unable to come off the list before game time. It's going to fall on Mike T to be the defensive coordinator he once was, such as he was in 2006 for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, no, I mean, th- this is why you have a background. That's why you don't just jump a guy up. <laughs> right, right. It's for these moments like this. Now, granted, this is also the first time in 15 years he's really had to call the defense. So I'm sure he's – eager and anxious about this opportunity, but this is the job of a head coach, right? Yeah. You get that sometimes on big jobs like this. <laughs> oh, he's he's quoting the late, great Mike Webster. Yes, There we correct, go. Sir. There we go. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, against a team, when you think of uh, who it is. I, I just lost – I just lost Max – so I don't know uh, what went on there. Uh, we'll pick this up in just a minute, but somehow um, we've got to find out what's going on here. Can you hear me now? Okay, I got you now, Max. You're back. Okay. The gremlins are in the wires here or something, but the ninjas are doing fierce battle. That That's right. Remember, Jacob, don't get any water on them. <laughs> they multiply. <laughs> Those gremlins. And don't feed them after dark. Yeah, exactly so. <laughs> That was a good movie, yeah. by the way. Gremlins. That, that was a great movie. That, you know, I, I my daughters that. aren't ready to watch that yet. No, no, that would that could probably give you like a night terrors or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that's that's not a good one. But getting back to Mike Tomlin, who does not have night terrors, uh, but he had twenty eight. He's got twenty eight seasons in the coaching profession. He was a defensive coordinator officially only one time. Again for the Minnesota Vikings, but, you know, he's been in the, all the various defensive positions. He was, what, secondary coach down in Tampa or something like that. Um, but, yeah. you know what, the whole thing about it is uh, he says chess pieces, he says they're putting guys in position to make plays was fun and attractive. He loves this sort of thing. I got a feeling he's more on uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if he was more like three-dimensional chess than than just chess. Yeah, I mean, and that's the position. You, you've you got to be able to get guys in the right place to be able to be successful. And when you can do that, and he identifies that type of talent, that's all you know. And you've also got 16 games to go off of. It's not like he's starting the season out from scratch. He hasn't True. seen anything at all. It's like, okay, I know what my guys are capable of. I know what positions I want to put them in. And I understand what the play calls have been this entire year because this is something that I've had a hand in. So it's going to be a little wonky, but it's going to be pretty seamless, um, you know, because it's going to be him wonky. having to be more. Oh, oh, wonky. That's well, a, is that a technical term? That That is. That okay, is. I was that just is. That's actually sure. officially in the football dictionary. Okay. Thank wonky you. is a word. <laughs> yeah. It might not be in Webster's, but it's definitely in Lombardi's <laughs> dictionary. Um 
because you know, because you still you're still managing an entire team on top of just managing the defense, right? So it's going to be how do I split my time between defensive adjustments when the defense is on the sideline to still notice what the offense is doing in situational football to be abreast of all those things. So that's where it's kind of a little bit wonky because you're trying to find that balance in game situations because you haven't had to do that before. Um, but you know, I mean, that, and that, that's one of the things because Sean McVay can do it. And True. he conveys that very well. Cliff Kingsbury, you know, kind of has that going. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of coaches who do both of those dual roles. But at the same time, it's still something that you have to get used to if you haven't done it before. It's going to be interesting to me because there's some particular things that are cropping up here. And one of them is, you know, you got to figure out, all right, Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar hasn't practiced but once in 26 days, right? Um, yeah. Huntley is apparently the guy. I mean, Lamar Jackson just doesn't seem like he's going to make the, the start here. But, I mean, you're talking about both quarterbacks who are so mobile, who are both so athletic, one being a lot more dynamic, that being the Jackson over Huntley. But still, at the same time, these guys get sacked more than, I don't know, a giant eagle bag boy sacking groceries, man. I mean, these guys yeah. went down hard, what, 54 <laughs> times, I believe. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they get sacked. The offensive line is not great. Um, and I think that's kind of going to be one of the uh, one of the things to attack on is making sure that your guys are on their P's and Q's and that they understand where they need to be. Uh, and when I look at it, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, T.J. Watt, be T.J. Watt, mm. you know, in this situation. Alex Highsmith, unle- unleash the Kraken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> unleash uh, the but, Kraken. But for linebackers, it's going to be important to keep your keys and your spies. You know, there is a spy for the quarterback. One of you in the linebacking position is going to be a spy. Understand that. Do not get caught in the wash because there is quarterback design draw, which comes right up the middle, plus there's double option off the edge. So you need to make sure that you're staying on your keys, understanding what their formational relationships are, and understanding what their tendencies are from that. So, you know, it's going to be important to, you know, Joe Schobert, Robert Spillane, Devin Bush, you know, UG3, whoever else is going to be in that linebacking rotation, um, that you make sure that you're, that you're on your keys and that you're studying because this is still a very, very important time, and you've got to make sure that you are staying in the hunt here because right now both of you are, are fighting to see if you can possibly get in this playoff hunt. So it's, it's, it's going to matter a whole heck of a lot um, how you play. You know what's interesting was I was watching the Ravens-Rams games last night, right? And in the first drive, the very first series, they ran that counter trap at least three different times in three different ways. You know, uh, uh, so much is done with the, the Ricard, you know, Patrick Ricard, the big 300-pound fullback. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Now, that's the first time I've ever seen it where they actually had it. He did the kick out. You know, normally it's the guard pulling will lead. They'll kick out. Then you have the trailer, either a tackle, a tight end, uh, H-back, fullback, what have you, will be the trail guy. But they, they take Ricard, and he will go right at the end man on the line. He will kick that man out. Or they'll post him in a, in a in, you know play side on the strong side. 
and he'll just be a lead ISO back on the edge man. And you know, at 300 pounds, you got you know a rockhead is, uh, uh, like that at 300 pounds is going to be tough for any edge setter or any defensive back that you would put out there. They can, they can get splatted. But the three ways they ran it, they ran it to the strong side. They ran it weak side. They ran it with Ricard as the leading kickout guy. They ran him ran it with him as the trailer. I mean. There's a lot of variation in a very simple formula that they use that you're going to see come game time. And I, for Mike, I, you know, all the variations and variables that he's got to stay on top of in preparing the defense and making sure that he's aware of what's going on game at game time, too. Which, you know what, I'm sure he does anyhow. You know, it's not like he like checks out and goes, gee, uh, I wonder how our defense is doing right now. I think he's got a pretty good handle on it. Yeah, well, I think it'll also be important about the eye in the sky, right? The defensive coaches who are up in the booth to make sure that they're identifying personnel changes to them in the year in real time. Uh, that's going to be the big thing. You know, when you see 42 coming in, hey, 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 fullback, 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 Ricard, Ricard, whatever, you, whatever nickname or whatever you've given to him, make sure you're identifying when he is in the game because he does act as that pseudo extra lineman that could potentially get, a, you know, an underneath handoff. Um, every once in a while, but more often right. than not, he's usually the lead blocker. Um, and they just deploy him in a lot of different ways. You know, you could even call it jumbo size when he's to the side of a tight end on a wing. So, you know, it, I think that that's something that they've been probably going over those keys. And, you know, they have a previous game to also look off of. Right. So I think that's the other thing is that you have film, you have prerequisite information that you can draw on to show what their tendencies are because they are going to try and come out and, and do some of the things that they did well try and replicate that. And then, of course, what didn't go well, they're going to try some new wrinkles to see if, if there's something that gashed uh, the Steelers um, from previous weeks and something that they can adopt into their own offense. But that that's the, that's why you get paid for this job, right, Wolf? That, that's the reason why <laughs> right? you're given the big bucks. That's because right. Because you've got, you've got to make those tough decisions. You also have to make sure that you're planning accordingly to make sure that you can compensate for that. Well, one of the compensations you're going to have to make, and it's going to be interesting, you know, Joe Hayden just got back. And and Joe Hayden, you know, there's something about Joe Hayden that just seems to settle the secondary down. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. He's a consummate pro. We've heard Tom Bradley talk about him numerous times, you know, as being such an efficient, uh, uh, complete professional cornerback out there. But what he means to the rest of the secondary. But at the same time, if – Joe Hayden goes down with COVID, and he might not be able to get back in time. Then you've got Akella Witherspoon, who has really come on. And I was surprised because his his man coverage, I thought, was exceptional last week. <laughs> well, I see, you know, now we kind of see, why did you trade for this guy? Bingo. Right? Because remember, we sat on the bench for so many weeks, and we're like, why did you trade for this guy? He's not even active. Right. And then now that he is active? He's been active. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so so I think when you look at that, you, you you take some comfort, but you also know that all of these young guys have gotten a lot of reps since then. So, you know, think about Trey Norwood and the and the big interception oh, yeah. at the end to really seal that, that Cleveland game and allow Ben to take the knee last week. Uh, or Monday night, I guess. Wait, I wait, say. wait. What was, it, what was the name of the, the, the formation? I love when you said, what is it? Oh, oh, oh. Three six tight diamond. Six, six tight, tight diamond. diamond. See, that's so much that's cooler right. than victory formation. Chuck would say, "All yeah. right, let's go take a knee." And then you got to come up. You got the six tight diamond. I like six tight diamond. Just sounds, I don't know, really cool. It's like James well, Bondsian sort of versus I know, take a knee. 
feels like Casino Royale, right? Oh, it's like a that's Vegas a great term. Movie. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's a Vegas term, right? When you hear that, it's like, all right, six tight diamond. Okay. Well, that means I just won all in. All right. You know, <laughs> hey, we went head to head. I win. Give me all the chips. That's what that. That's what that sounds like. Well, you know what? I see you're a James Bonds fan, huh? That's pretty I, cool. I am. That's shaken, shaken, not stirred. Yeah. <laughs> Thumped, not not dumped. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break. We'll be back with more. we got Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. It's the big grad here. Okay. We want to move along because we just got, we weren't quite sure because we, Max and I don't do math very well. So, Every other week, we're trying to figure out if we got the big G, Bruce Gradkowski, one of our favorite guys. And so we were like, Max and I are going back for, we was on last week, or, you know, because we go every other. That's what, every two, carry the one, you know. So we got him. All we know is we got him because we didn't, it was last year, or last week was New Year's. Um, so let's bring in the Bruce, Bruce Gradkowski. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Ah, uh, there you are. Hey, All right. There uh, he is. Big guy. Hey. I lost you guys for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's not easy to lose Max and I. <laughs> <laughs> Only virtually. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bruce, thank you for coming to the locker room. Happy New Year. We appreciate you, bro. Um, just want to get your take on the Steelers coming up here. You got – Keith Butler is going to go down. It's going to be Mike Tomlin stepping in as defensive coordinator. Joe Hayden is going to – it went down with the COVID. Um, it's going to change some things. But kind of your thoughts going into this Ravens game. Well, the thing I think about is, man, this is like the ultimate division rivalry here. I mean, think of all the great matchups, AFC championship games, the Steelers, Ravens, Big Big Ben. Uh, you know, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, you know, Max Starks on the other side. I mean, like, so, so, so many great games, and now this is going to be Ben's, you know, probably final game, it looks like, that, um, you know, it's it's pretty special, man, in Baltimore, and, and with two, two really good head coaches that, you know, no matter what, these guys want to win this game. So it's going to be a fun one to watch. It's always a physical matchup between these two teams. And, you know, I'd love to see Ben get this one uh, and, and go out with, with a nice win against his uh, arch rival. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and Bruce, and, and you, when you look at also just kind of the culmination, right, you know, I talked about this. This was, this was Ben's first road game where he actually took over at the helm, you know, going into halftime and coming out the second half and leading – the Steelers and ultimately becoming the franchise. Like this was the first game was in Baltimore week two back in 2004. And, you know, 
you know, when you look back on it, I think you put it perfectly that, you know, against his arch rival, you get to kind of go out, and I, I look at it as going out as you came in, right? Under under yeah. duress, going up against, uh, you know, this type of opponent and the history that's there. I mean, 18 years have spanned this rivalry, and he's been the one consistent factor. You know, even, right. you know, when you look at all of the different – you know, ways as rivalries come up. There's been different quarterbacks at the helm, but Ben's been kind of that consistent guy um, in the, in no, the face of no, this rivalry. Absolutely. So, I mean, when, no, when you're thinking about this, I mean, when you look at the game last week and how the game plan was called, what do you see that was so different from weeks before and why that Cleveland game was, was you know, so offensively strong, you know, versus a lot of every other performance we've seen outside of the fourth quarter, like what made that game plan so different? Was it truly the Ben factor or do you think Matt Canada finally changed some things up from your offensive eye? Well, you know, I thought they had a few nice run plays that they found a little niche there that was hitting the Browns. Um, you know, and, and ultimately what's, what stood out to me in that game is I love the physicality, you know, on both sides of the football and more so defensively, man, it just stood out to me how they were getting after the Browns. And so it's just a true team effort, true team win. And, of course, it would go down like that. I mean, when you think of Ben, I mean, Ben's a winner. And I say this all the time. I mean, and it probably was awesome for you guys. I'm, I'm interested to hear about just that atmosphere, right? I mean, I, I had to do a Zoom call, you know, pregame for, for some uh, Steeler stuff for WTAE. Uh, I couldn't be there live in action. But, man, I could almost – I could just imagine the atmosphere and – but when I think of Ben and what he has brought to the Steelers, but also just as a quarterback in the NFL, we don't appreciate him as much as we should. I mean, you think about it now, what teams are looking for. Teams are looking for guys that are accurate, that can extend plays, that can throw on the run, and, and that have the poise. I mean, Ben is all of those. And being 6'4", 6'5", 250, 60 pounds, I mean, it's just amazing what he's been able to do because he's one of the hardest guys to game plan against because you don't know where he's going to be. And he's not always just going to make the, the, the perfect read and play. So you can't count on just stopping the concept. And so he just, you know, from from just my quarterback perspective and, and how he has played the game and with the toughness and, you know, and the Steelers never having to worry about, that quarterback position for 18 years um, is something pretty special, you know, and, and I would just love for him to finish strong in this Baltimore game. But I also know the Ravens are fighting too, you know, and they're not just going to lay down because it's Ben's last game or anything like that. This is a big <laughs> rival. So I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. Bruce, you know, you, you got the Ravens are the number one, I think, rush against the rush defense at around 84 yards, but they're dead last in pass defense. What a dichotomy of, of differences in a defense from one to thirty-two. So if you're our, if you're Matt Canada and you're you're perusing these Ravenites and you're thinking to yourself, okay, how do I want to attack them? How would you attack them? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be aggressive, and I said it last week too. I mean, you you want to stay aggressive with it, and, and I wouldn't mind seeing a little more no huddle too. I mean, it's it's Ben's last time. Like, let him. Let him have fun. Throw the ball out there. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Let him play that backyard ball that he loves to do so much. He has some good young receivers that are continuing to develop. 
be aggressive downfield and push and push it, push the ball. And then I think that'll open up some of the running lanes as the game goes on. And I think some of these young receivers, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, they need to step up and make plays. And I think they have a good opportunity. You know, the Ravens have been beat up, you know, in the secondary this year. So this could be a, a perfect game for them to really be aggressive downfield. Yeah, and I mean, look, look, look at this as well, Bruce. And I want to get your perspective as a head coach. Mike Tomlin, you know, is going to go without Keith Butler, um, and so that, that that ultimately falls on him to kind of be the DC de facto. Uh, how tough is it being a head coach, but still also having to be responsible for one side of the ball as a play caller? Well, Max, I'll tell you from my, you know, Mike, Tom and I are in a very similar boat, you know, me being a high school head coach and, and, and calling the offense, you know, it's, it's tough, man. It's it's tough to do both, but no, I think, you know, coach Tom has done a phenomenal job and, you know, he's done this for so long that actually I think it'll be super exciting for him. And, and I think he still plays a huge part in the defense week in and week out. So right. I don't think it's going to be that big of a di- difference. The only thing is, it is going to be Tomlin's show this weekend. Like, it's not sharing responsibilities or adding your input. It's, no, you're the guy calling each and every snap. Um, and, and in that sense, you know, now his his main focus is going to be that. But at the same time, too, he's done this long enough. He's going to be just fine, you know, managing the whole game. But it's going to be a little different. And honestly, I think it's going to be fun for Tomlin. I, I think you'll see – a lot of juice and energy on the sideline from him being in that position. You know, one of the things that the Miami Dolphins were so successful in, they blitzed the pants off of the you know, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, right? Yeah. I mean, they came after him, and they were hitting him and banging and everything else. And they won a lot of – they did – I won't say a lot, but they, they, they threw cover zero out there several times. You know what I mean? And they got to him before he could get to them. And I, I look at that, I wonder, you think maybe they're going to try to do something along the lines with the uh, the Huntley guy? Or do you are you going to take a look and say, gee, Patrick McCarry, the, that tackle there, he's got a busted <coughs> up hand there. Uh, that's T.J. Watt. And uh, let's see how, you know, my four-man pass rush gets after it. Yeah. I don't know if I would, if I would all out zero blitz Huntley as much. Lamar Jackson couldn't handle it early in the year versus Dolphins. I mean, you know, he, he was kind of missing some of those throws. And if, honestly, if he hits some of those, it probably gets him out of that, those blitzes because um, all you got to do is gash a defense when they bring you cover zero blitz. And that's probably going to have him a little hesitant to call it again. I'm, I'm not sure I would do that versus Huntley. I think Huntley's done a, a nice job this year. Uh, but I would trust my four or five-man rush maybe bring an extra guy, confuse him with different looks in the secondary in a sense like that. Um, I think the Steelers have done a good job, you know, against Lamar Jackson if it's him. Um, so this will be a fun one to watch. Like I said, I mean, just last week, just watching the energy and the phys- physicality by the Steelers' defense was cool to see. And especially, you know, watching Watt, uh, T.J. Watt have an opportunity to chase down the sack record it'll be pretty cool. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of excitement on that side. And, and Tomlin's going to want to play a part in that too. So I'm sure he's going to really try to dial some things up. Absolutely. Now, here's something I do have to mention. <laughs> weather. Weather. Weather, 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 weather. B-Grad. 
Uh, Weather in the AFC North? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Outdoor stadiums? What? No domes. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously knowing what happened last weekend uh, in, in, in that part of the country and, uh, you know, snow being there now. And then, of course, I think right now 80% chance of precipitation, which means uh, freezing rain slash slushy snow. It, it uh, means Max is going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to be nice and tidy in a booth. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, once again, that's see, where see, he's Brad, going. See, that's Bruce, where he's going he doesn't, he doesn't get, like he doesn't, he doesn't get our, our pain right now. He, he's, he's basking, <laughs> he's basking in it, in the ambiance of having a heated climate controlled booth <laughs> to talk about this game that we're, that we have to weather this storm, Bruce. You as a head coach on the sidelines, you don't get the comforts. There's no, we seek no shelter. We ask for no quarter. Um, but he's up there sheltered and quartered. Uh, you know, but just kind of talk about, sure. the, yeah, yeah. But talk about, <laughs> oh, that, that that's hurt. That hurts, Bruce. That hurts. <laughs> but just kind of talk about the mindset going into that game offensively and ball security, how important that is when you have those type of conditions. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, I remember a few of those games I've been a part of, and you look around the locker room or you look at, you know, during the walkthrough or pregame, and you can see the guys look, and you're like, come on, man, we can't let weather be a factor. And honestly, it's a more mentally tough group, which I think the Steelers are a mentally tough group. you got to approach this game as if weather's not a factor, and you can't let it be a factor. I mean, you got to do your job when you're out there, and you got to wear the appropriate things, the appropriate cleats, the appropriate sleeves or non-sleeves. <laughs> you know, you got to handle the football the right way to protect it because in weather conditions like this, if it's snow, if it's rain, sleet, whatever it may be, you got to still find a way to protect. You can't make excuses, and that's going to be a big thing. And look, it's going to be a big thing for the Ravens, a team that runs a football a lot. They got to hold on to football as well, but you know you got to look at it from a defensive perspective. This gives the Steelers a prime opportunity. Shoot, if it's wet, rainy, let's get after him, man. Let's get that ball out. You know, one of the things that uh, is happening is that Deontay Johnson got put on the COVID list yesterday, I believe, which is pretty devastating. I mean, you got you look at this guy; he's a hundred. 100 receptions over 1,000 yards. This guy is important to this offense, and a guy that Ben has got, uh, you know, I mean, the, the two of them got that whole ESPN thing going on. Well, the, I, I wonder, can you shift those targets to, you know, because you showed some more multiple tight end sets, which I just love. Max and I just love the, you know, you get yeah. the big 612 in there. You get the the Muth, you know, you, so you got Gentry and Fryer Muth in there. Um, I, the combination of those two with a little Gronk like Aaron Hernandez like combination, I got to believe you can do some nice uh, razzle dazzle passing with those two versus, you know, it, just because Deontay's out doesn't mean that all the targets are going to go to James Washington or Ray Ray uh, McLeod, you know, or, or, or Chase, right? No, for sure. I've, I've always liked that look as well because. You know, when you have some athletic tight ends, too, you get those mismatches on linebackers and up in the seam. And, and then you also have an extra body for, for the running game. So, depending the defense has to play you, they have to get, get in a single high defense because you, you're showing two tight ends and you're running the football and you're, or you're in a running formation set. Now it gives you more, better opportunities for one-on-ones outside. So, that's the thing I kind of like with that approach when you have multiple tight ends in the game or you have a fullback in the game, it's trying to get the ideal look as well for mismatches 
or to create one-on-ones outside. Well, and, and also, you know, one of the things that we've also been talking about is just the screen game. I mean, what what is what, what is the nuance with, with screens and why some teams are good at them and why some teams aren't? Because I look at the Steelers and the running back screens are hit or miss. Wide receiver screens are hit or miss, but the tight end screens seem to always be solid. You know, can you just talk about, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you know, and mind, talk about that as a head coach trying to impart the importance of that and, and why are some teams better at it than others? Yeah, I mean, screens take a lot of work and practice because, you know, number one, it, it the, the first thing to getting a screen going is getting it completed. And a lot of times screens happen so fast right around the line of scrimmage, whether it's a running back screen, uh, a receiver screen, tight end screen. So there's hands in the way. You've got to get the ball completed. A running back can't get caught up in the line of scrimmage. And, and then the second thing is the blocks downfield. You know, when you're throwing wide receiver screen, those wide receivers got to block. They got to get the corner out of there. They got to get up on the second level. They got to get dig that linebacker out to get that screen going. So a lot of times they're quick hitters. You know, if you could complete the ball and be accurate with it and then get that first initial block, now your screen can get going. And that's why you'll see like the Indianapolis Colts, they're really good at it. The Rams are good. The Niners. And it takes a lot of work and practice. You can't just uh, uh, expect to call it on game day and expect to hit a big screen. You got to practice it a lot because it takes that ability from the wide receivers to get their blocks the throw to be accurate, and then, you know, also you get the offensive lineman up there now on the second level as well that that helps. So I just think it takes a lot of work and practice, and but it's also an extension of the running game. So that's why I love watching teams that do a good job with the screen game because it just helps the offense. And as a quarterback, if you could throw a screen you pick up 20 yards or 10 yards, you're like, cool. You feel like you're in a rhythm, and you just threw a screen pass. Bruce, then do you have a preference? Do you like throwing against man coverage, against zone coverage, and what are the differences between the two? Well, I always like – I love throwing against man because it just – it's an easy look. You know it's one-on-one and you'll take your chances. But a lot of the times I always thought to myself, man, Andy Reid, really, he's going to play man-to-man on us in the preseason here? Well, yeah, because it's a 50-50 shot, right? You're counting on your offensive guy beating the defensive guy. And then you're, you're counting on the throw being accurate. So against man, you got to be accurate. Versus zone, you just got to make sure you're going through your reads. And then you got to, you know, of course be accurate as well. But in zones, you're not, there's not a guy planted or cemented against someone else. So a lot of times you have some areas to make the throw. And then now with zone, you get zone blitzes and so forth like that. You can, you know, change it up in that sense. So as a quarterback, I've always liked man-to-man because it gives you a cleaner, clearer look. But you also can get some pressure with that, um, and you also have to be more accurate with the throw. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that, that's kind of one of the things that I, I've always, you know, kind of wondered, and, and when we when we display them, when we don't display them. Um, just that's because nobody asked us what, what our preferences were, Max. They, they don't. They, they don't care. They're just like, hey, listen, we're going to call this play the annexation of Puerto Rico. I need you to just run it, okay? Can you find San Juan? <laughs> You know, so, yeah. All right, we're going to go to break. Thank you so much, Bruce. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us in the locker room, buddy. 
All right, guys. Have a good weekend. All right. Take care. All right, That's right. Bruce, Bruce Gradkowski. We'll be back with more with Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. In the Locker Room, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio. The number is 412-919-1316. Looking forward to talking to some folks out there, but one of the things I want to follow up on, you know, we were talking with Bruce Gradkowski and... uh, uh, we just, of course, Deontay Johnson all his, and his 100 catches and 1,100 yards of receptions and eight TDs, uh, they may be unavailable here, it looks like, for Sunday, quite possibly so. But again, I go back to that multiple tight end set. And what I love so much about it is what Bruce highlighted for us, you know, the fact that you can create some great mismatches, that you can create also the ability to go run with the run blocking or to be able to separate Muth from the you know the line of scrimmage flex him out a little bit there's a lot of things you can do that to mitigate the loss of Deontay does not necessarily mean a lot of targets got to move over to the chases to the uh, James uh, Washington's or the Ray Rays Uh, there's a lot of targets that can be spread out in between uh, you know the 612 Muth and uh, Najee yeah I think that is key is that you can spread the wealth it doesn't have to be wide receiver designated routes right because Deontay's not in there so you must throw to the Deontay fill-in um I think that's kind of what we have to kind of get our minds wrapped around is that these are just concepts that can be interchangeable because we have capable pass catchers right so we need to have the mindset of passable uh, I'm sorry Capable pass catchers. I was getting that mess. I was about to say passable, whatever. Uh, but no, capable <laughs> pass catchers or passable cake, cake catchers. Um, anyway, cake catchers. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be a cake catcher. I, I, I caught more than a few cakes in my life. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, we'll have our cake after the game once we get this victory. Because you, uh, you, you can have your cake and eat it too. That, that, that's true. It's just messy on game day because uh, you got gloves or tape. You yeah, know, true. We, yeah, it's, it's not the same. You can't lick your fingers. It's just weird <laughs> with athletic tape. But, um, but yeah, it, it has to be something where you have to be able to say, you know what, the guy running this route, and it can be Pat Fryermuth. He can be detached. He can be isoed. Um, you know, in a formation, you can split out Najee and have him run routes. You can do some creative things out of 11 and 12 personnel or even 21 that still give you the same catchability um, from the route. So you don't have to feel restricted to the route concepts as, oh, my gosh, this only goes to an X. It's like, no, Pat Frymove can be your F tight end and still play an X position if you so choose it. Or, you know, Najee can be the H in that situation, if you decide to clear it out and you can create these mismatches based on who you seeing um, match up against these guys, because more likely now you put the teams into into man situations when you flex guys out, because now the zone isn't as strong, right? It's not as tight when you have guys 
attached in the middle. Right. You start to break them out. Now you have to make more declarations. You have to make more decisions. And so that creates more stress on that defense. And like I said, this is Ben's last game. Hand the keys off to him again. Again. Hand the keys. Just give them to him. Bugatti. Gassed up, buddy. <laughs> Go ahead. Hit 95, 75. I'm not sure which freeway goes through Baltimore, but yeah, it was one of those. I hope um, it's not 95. They had all kinds of problems last week, and we got to drive down there. Okay, well, let, make sure it's plowed. <laughs> plowed 95. Yeah, that, that would be nice. Can we get salted. A, salted? Salted and plowed. Let's bring our own salted salt. Salted and plowed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You should. Well, you should sit out the back of the van and just like just hold it back, like just cut the bottom of the bag and just hold it. So it's like breadcrumbs. There you, you go. Get back home on Sunday after the game. Like, I mean, no, no, we're gonna take the middle lane all the way back, guys, because I'm salting this lane. Because I'm for 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 freezing. This is the best way to do it. I'm out of salt. I'm out of salt. Anybody got any Mortons? Oh, yeah, exactly. My anybody got any got anybody got the little takeout thing with all the with all the silver? We gotta go through a drive through. Salt get the package. Yeah. Get all the salt packets you can get. Can I put pepper down too? Because you know it's connected. It's connected. It's close. You know, I mean, thereabouts. Close enough. It still melts. Exactly. Let me ask you this. I'm, one of the things I'm thinking about is if you're you're Wink Martindale, you're the defensive coordinator there. You take a look and see. Okay, there's an emphasis. The blocking schemes have changed a little bit. All right, yeah. the emphasis, the play calling emphasis is different because there's not a lot of bells and whistles going off like the, the, it was before. Um, looking at this, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? You got to pay a little more attention to the run than maybe you did the first time out. Though, as we were talking about earlier, you know, I said, and and I still contend this. You know, running the ball well is about being able to run the ball when the defense knows you're going to run the ball and you still run the ball that secures a win. And I look back at that first game, and no, they struggled, but let me tell you something. With three rookies in the lineup, because you remember, B.J. Finney got hurt, so you had the big LeGlue coming in there, right? I think yeah. it was he. Yeah, he was playing. So you got three rooks, a rookie running back, rookie tight end, and you go in there and – you run you run for 65 yards in the second half. You run for 35 on the final drive, 11 play drive of 69 yards. 35 of it come on the ground and you score on that Deontay touchdown pass plus the two-pointer. That's running the ball well. I mean, it doesn't met, you know, I I don't get caught up in in running the, the you know the ball with numbers. Okay, it's nice to have 150 yards, but you've been on the field I've been on the field when you get 100-plus yards rushing, and you lose. And it, it's sporadic. It's stuff that, you know, but being able to run it in crunch time, four-minute offense at the end of the game, that's running the ball well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, but the way that this rivalry is gone, whoever rushes better and in better spots is usually the one that's going to win this game. It used to be, you know, our rule was back 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 when I was playing it was, hey, first team to 100 wins this game, rushing-wise. <laughs> because that means yeah. you're controlling the clock, you're controlling right. the tempo uh, in the offense. Now, today, because it is a more pass-emphasis team, it's more so who gets the ball last and who can run it more effectively to chew up that clock um, is going to win. And that's exactly what the Steelers did in the last matchup against the Baltimore Ravens was, like you said, that last drive, got to have it runs, and the defense knows you, you have to have it, and you still get it, 
that's the victory, and that's kind of how you have to approach it. I think this game, though, I think you're going to see a lot different. Najee, just because of what we saw Monday night against the Browns, is that you've got a different emphasis about what we can do well and what we're going to try and get done. And it was hammering away, yes. right? It w- th- those big runs didn't happen early in the game. But when it came crunch time in the fourth, guess what? The dam broke. And Najee had his longest rush as a stealer at the end of the game. When we're just trying to kill clock, he went and just took their soul by putting the ball in the end zone, you <laughs> yep. know, on a 37-yard scamper. So that's where it is. It's that intent to run that makes it important. I th- hopefully we'll get to that again this game. Absolutely. You are so right, Max. Stay tuned. we got more coming up. We're going to come back with the second hour of In the Locker Room. The number is 412-919-1316. We'll be back with more.